guys, all three. One, two, three, five. Welcome to This Week in Lions Baseball, the official baseball podcast of LMU Athletics. I'm your host, Jonathan Grace, and each week I'll be joined by LMU baseball head coach Nathan Choate and members of the team to take you behind the scenes with the LMU baseball program as we break down the big wins, the season's highs and lows, and give you exclusive access to all things LMU baseball. As always, I'm joined today by LMU head coach Nathan Choate. Coach, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Great to be here. And also on the show this week, fresh off two excellent performances, both at home and on the road, LMU redshirt junior pitcher and this week's WCC co-pitcher of the week, Merrick Baldo. Merrick, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. The Lions are fresh off a busy week where they faced Long Beach State at home in Page Stadium before heading up to Oklahoma to face the Cowboys. And as if the week wasn't busy enough, weather delayed the opening game of the Oklahoma series, meaning the Lions had to face a doubleheader before Game 3 on Sunday. We'll break that all down shortly. LMU came off of the Long Beach State game with a win and momentum following a walk-off home run. And in Oklahoma, they split Saturday's two-game stint before falling on Sunday. LMU's two wins this week were not only to do with the excellent hitting that was on display, but also some of the phenomenal pitching, uh, much of which was from Mr. Baldo here and the rest of the staff. And Coach Choate, we'll start with you on this. I just want to unpack the weekend a little bit. It was busy, four games. I first want to get your thoughts on the Long Beach State game, the lone game on Tuesday. Yeah, that was a great win for us. Our uh, our guys really competed. It was an exciting game. Um, You know, I think we battled back, and once Merrick got in the game, Obviously, the guys have a ton of confidence in them. Um, and then Jerry Thomas had a great at-bat leading off that inning. And then uh, Hadim hit that ball to center field. And, you know, it's it's hard to do at, at night at Page Stadium to hit a ball straight away to center field and hit a home run. Our guys were fired up. Uh, very tough game. Well-earned win for our guys. And then let's move on to talking about Oklahoma. We'll come back to, to Long Beach in just a moment. Uh, I first want to ask you about the trip out there and back. It sounds like you guys were, were facing down some some crazy weather, some tornadoes uh, on the way, on top of all the baseball to, to worry about. Yeah, the uh, the way there was pretty uneventful. It was a nice two-hour flight from LAX. Everything was great. And then we landed, and uh, it was like 32 degrees. Um and as our guys know, I'm not the biggest fan of cold weather. Um, I, that's, I don't hide that fact. I don't like being cold. I'm getting older. Um, and then on Friday, we didn't play. I think it was a high of 31 or 32. It's just from a safety standpoint. Uh, didn't end up playing that day and then played on Saturday when it was a little bit warmer. Uh, but traveling back last night, there were some tornado warnings. Um, and we got out of out of Oklahoma City just in time. But uh, it was a pretty turbulent flight. We had some guys on the on the team asking, uh, is this normal? Um, and I'm not a pilot. It didn't feel normal. <laughs> well, Merrick, how about for you? Did it, did it feel normal? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, that flight back was terrible. Uh, we were just going up and down for a good five, 10 minutes. It felt like an eternity. Uh, <laughs> a couple of guys got straight off the plane and, and threw up. So it was not, it was not fun on the way back, but the way there was quiet and easy. Well, the good news is you're safe at home in L.A. and uh, we're able to make it through. So congratulations on surviving the tornadoes. <laughs> uh, let's come back to to that Long Beach State game for just a moment. Well, Merrick, this week saw your first performances back after coming back full strength. You picked up right where you left off. It took you just 12 pitches to close out LBSU, pick up your first win of the season, and set the stage for LMU to continue hitting with the momentum that they'd started in the seventh inning and for Hanim to be able to deliver the walk-off home run. Coming into a close game like that, where's your mind at as you take the mound? Just trusting everything that we've practiced and trained. Uh, 
I just need to trust that Choate is going to be calling the right pitches and Kadeem's going to be back there blocking everything that I might spike. Uh, it's just all about trust and confidence in our team. Um, I know I don't have to be perfect. I, they can hit the ball, and, and I know my defense has my back 100%. Uh, there's no stress in that way. So when I go in, I know I don't have to be perfect, and I just have to compete with what I have. And if I continue to do that, um, we're going to continue to succeed. Well, you were visibly fired up after closing out that inning against Long Beach State. We've gotten to see some of your energy on display this season. I'm curious what motivates you? What gets you fired up in a, in a performance like that? It's competition. Uh, I love the competition. I love just me versus you. And let's see what happens. I mean, I'll throw my fastball right by you as much as I can. Um, I love it. It's, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, it's a way to get the game going and the way to speed up the game a bit, too. You know, we briefly mentioned it, but because of the injury, you haven't played a ton of games. Obviously, you pitched your freshman year a couple games last year as well. What, if any, were the adjustments you had to make to your game ahead of this season in order to perform? I mean, you clearly haven't missed a step at all. Just so far, in your first couple outings, four innings pitched, seven strikeouts, no hits, a lone walk and no runs, and named WCC Co-Pitcher of the Week. Not too shabby for your first week back from injury. Thank you. Uh, so I got injured. I had Tommy John surgery um, my sophomore year. Um, so it was kind of like a struggle coming back from that injury and really like pushing through that pain that I was feeling. Um, but I bought into the process of physical therapy and taking care of my body. And that really helped make sure my arm was in the right place to succeed and to play. Because um, that's probably my top priority is making sure my arm is healthy enough that I can play. And it's it's been that way this year. And it frees you up to just just play the game of baseball. You don't really have to worry about anything else other than just just pitching the ball. And, and that's how fun it is. I'm curious about that road to recovery, because especially for a pitcher coming back from Tommy John surgery, couldn't have been an easy one. But you clearly have put the work in, as we said, coming in, if not stronger than than where you left off. It's massively impressive and it couldn't have been an easy road. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, I had to constantly battle with myself and and push through a lot of things that I never really thought I could push through. And that gave me a lot of confidence in myself, um, pushing through that pain and pushing through things that I didn't think I was able to do. And when you're able to really prove yourself wrong again and again and again and again, like your confidence just skyrockets and, and you can you feel like you can take on the world almost. And Coach Choate, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective too, you obviously had a front row seat to, to this whole recovery process. What was that like from, from your perspective as a coach to watch? Yeah, you know, I'm really proud of him. Um, I, I know how far he's come since his freshman year. He actually did pitch last year in, in some games uh, and and made his debut early last year, but it, it was limited as far as how we could use him, right? Obviously, we, we had to make sure that we would give him so many days off and and it was kind of a slower process. I do feel like this is the first year where he's been back, both physically and mentally, where he feels that the surgery is behind him. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons why you see him emerging the way that, that he has. Um, but yeah, just super proud of him. I mean, I, you know, Merrick and I have had a had a good relationship for four years. I, I've watched him grow so much. Um, I've challenged him. He's challenged me. Um, he's made me a better coach. Um, hopefully I've better helped make him a better player and a better person. Uh, but I'm just super proud of him. As I was watching, as he was pitching against Oklahoma State, 
I was just sitting there and honestly, I, I was just proud of him. Um, you know, we didn't make a play in the infield with a lead and there was a time where guys would get nervous and are we going to finish this off? And he came back and, and the next fastball was 95 and it was by a guy. And I was just like, all right, there we go. We're good. You know? And so, um, I think the team feeds off of that confidence and, and the adversity that he's been through. And, you know, we talk in our program about getting tougher and you, and you know how you get tougher by doing hard things, right. And, and, and transforming his body, coming back from an injury like that, not knowing he'll ever throw again. That's a tough thing. And so he's tougher for it. So I'm, I'm super proud of him. Well, coach, back to that Long Beach State game, it's tied. You need a guy to get up right on the mound and perform and lead the defense in a way that gives your offense a chance to, to go back to work in the next frame. What about Merrick made him the guy for the job on Tuesday to close out that close game? Yeah, you know, college baseball is there. It's a lot about momentum and fighting for momentum in a game. Um, and one of the things that he does because he pitches with such passion, right? And when he comes in and attacks with a fastball, it's not a big surprise what he's going to do. He's going to come at you with a fastball, right? And so when he goes out there and and he attacks like that and and he shows such positive emotion, and if you notice, the the emotion was not directed at an opponent. It was towards his team, right? Like, and so that's inspirational when when he gets so excited and he wants to celebrate that moment and, and, and that momentum with his team. And then our team feeds off of that, right? And they get excited. And so there's different ways in college baseball that you can create momentum, whether it be on the mound, defensively with a great play, offensively with a great at-bat. Um, I think one of the things with Merrick is he he creates momentum, even in a tie ball game like that, just by the way that he goes about it. So, Merrick, I'm curious from your perspective too. Coach talked about you know pitching with passion and that energy directed towards the rest of your team. Uh, you talked a little bit about where that comes from, but what does that look like for you to pitch with such passion? It's just the the love of competition and the love to win and to just play. Uh, I love pitching and I love playing baseball. And so when I get out there, I'm going to leave it all out there. Uh, because if I'm doing something, I'm going to give 100% of what I'm doing. Uh, I get out there and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what I've practiced and what I've trained and what I've become. And to know that I have a team that supports me wholeheartedly, um, you can hear them cheering. I mean, they're just, they're just yelling for every single guy that gets out there. They have your back and you just know they have your back. And it takes the stress and the weight of the world off your shoulders because you know that you don't have to do everything yourself. And doing that gives you just so much confidence and passion just to just to play the game. And it's just it's just fun that way. Coach, you've talked about your relationship with Merrick throughout his time since he came into LMU as a freshman. You've gotten to know him, the type of person he is, the type of player he is. How much has he done for the program as a motivator? I mean, his energy is is palpable. You can see it on the broadcast. You can see it in person. Uh, you can see it in his pitching. But what does that do for everyone in the practice sessions, in the locker room, to have him as as a motivator and as a senior figure on the team? Yeah, well, I, I think he has a super high care level, right? And and I think his teammates know that, and it starts with that. For the people that have seen him for a long period of time, they've seen him transform his body. Um, he's continued to grow and change. Um, and I think he, him and I are both pretty stubborn at times, right? And we're both hard-headed. I think he would admit that. Um, but him embracing change at times and, and continuing to grow, and, and I think just his teammates celebrating his success of his journey, his personal journey of, of where he was at when he got here um, to where he is right now. It's pretty inspirational and it, it really is. And I know it sounds a little cliche, but people that I haven't been around for the last four years don't understand his personal journey that he's been on. And so he's just reaping the rewards of hard work and, and trust and the growth process that happens um, in, in, in college, you know? And so especially in college athletics 
to, to watch him, like I said, just transform. If not only is he going to be successful this year and he's going to continue to be successful, he's going to, he, he has changed the trajectory of his life. He's going to be successful no matter what he does, just because of the, the, some of the lessons he's learned in, in the way that he starts fought through some of the adversity. Well, let's go back to talking about that Oklahoma series coach. It's, it's game two. You call on Merrick uh, to come in in the eighth inning. You go straight to work. He retired nine of 11 batters, four strikeouts, pretty dominant performance again on the mound. And not long after he, he did a very similar thing to close out the game in the ninth against Long Beach State. In a slightly longer stint like that, where you need a guy to come in over multiple innings, how does the strategy change for your perspective? What are you telling him to do differently than maybe come in and just close out someone in the ninth where you need him to go across multiple frames? To, to be honest with you, I, I didn't really say much. Um, you know, we were down two nothing. We were down four to one. We were down six to three. We were down eight to five. We just continued to scratch and claw our way back in the game. And then, you know, Brett Zimmerman did a great job off the bench to get a swing. I mean, there's so many guys that did great things in that game. When we finally got it tied up eight to eight, um, it just, I knew that the team wanted American. We all wanted him in and, and how long he was going to go. Um, a lot of it depended on how he was feeling at the time. I, I can tell you after the second inning, I went down to the end of the dugout to check on him and I got a leave me in uh, pretty quickly. Uh, it was his response. Hey, leave me in. I'm good. And so I was like, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, um, but I was like, OK, sounds good to me. Uh, we're going to leave him out there for another inning. So so that's kind of how that took place. Well, Merrick, I want to hear about this from your perspective, too. You know, A, did your approach change at all between playing at OSU and playing in Long Beach State? And uh, and two, that, that confidence to say, you know, coach, I'm, I'm good. Leave me in. I, I want to hear more about that as well. Well, yeah, the, the coaches said at the beginning of the weekend, we're not playing against Oklahoma. We're playing against the game. Um, and that's a that's a big thing is with taking the jersey off of them and just playing the game and playing the player and going in. I knew we weren't going to win right away when I went in. Like I knew it was going to take some time and I was willing to stay in as long as I possibly could to give the team the best chance to succeed and to win. To leave me in, that was easy. I, I felt good. Uh, I knew I was throwing hard just based off their swings. Um, they're swinging straight through the balls, blowing it straight past them. And I, I knew that I could continue to do that. And I had to tell them that I had to stay in because I was going to keep on pounding the strike zone. When does that feeling come in for you as a pitcher? Does it change game by game when you start to realize you're sinking into a rhythm and, and, and really, as you said, getting balls past guys, making them swing at stuff that they just can't hit? It, it all starts on the routine. So I head down to the bullpen in like the sixth inning and I'll start like warming up and mentally preparing myself to go into the game in the ninth inning. It doesn't matter. I approach the, the game the same way every single game we play. I head into the bullpen in the sixth inning and I prepare just like I was to go in. If I don't go in, I don't go in but I am mentally prepared to go in every single game. And the preparation of that makes me confident that I can do and succeed with the team behind me. Well, gents, we've talked a lot about the defensive production. Let's talk about offense for a moment uh, because we're seeing some guys really start to come alive in the early stages of the season. Kadeem had his two-run walk-off homer early in the week. Diego Baccaro is hitting well. Jared Thomas is hitting well. Up and down the lineup, you have you have guys producing in the batting order in the early part of the season. And Coach, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, what does that mean just in terms of confidence in your offensive production to have guys hitting this big this early? 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest strength of our team is that we're a team offense, right? And, and we have multiple guys that can can get a swing when we need to. Um, and so, you know, we, we've been challenged. You know, I, I thought Oklahoma State's arms were really good. They had really good stuff. Our guys continued to fight and, and compete. And, uh, you know, as evident, I mean, we got no hit in game one and they beat us one to nothing. And like we talked about after the game, they had a no hit us to beat us, right? Um, we get no hit and, and to respond the way that we did in game two, super proud of our guys. And I think that shows some toughness as far as just not feeling sorry for yourself and letting it carry over to game two. Um, game two was a separate, a separate deal. We, we turned the page and we moved on. And so above all else, that's one of the things offensively that I was proud of because, you know, sometimes when that happens in game one, the whole day is going to be ruined, and and our guys turned the page and got to the next pitch. And so, um, there are several guys. Obviously, Sam hit the two run home run. Uh, Sam Biller. Um, yeah, there, there's just so many guys on, on our team that that can get it done. Whoever we call upon. I mean, Brett Zimmerman to get that big swing in the I think it was the seventh or the eighth inning when he came off the bench against a left handed pitcher. And you know, it's not easy to sit around watch a no hitter, right? Then be six, seven, eight innings into the second game, get called upon to go up there left on left, be locked in and to to perform when called upon. That's a really, really challenging task. And so I point him out, but you across the board, I, I thought the guys did a pretty good job staying on it. You talked about turning the page. Playing 18 innings in a day is exhausting. I'm sure for you as a coach, for the guys on on the team, how do you turn that page when normally you get to sleep on it, wake up, have a meeting, just a couple hours between games in this case? Yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have said, well, there's no clock in baseball, but obviously that's changed, right? Now, now they, there's clocks all over baseball. Uh, but, you know, just just being present and being where your feet are and being in the moment and taking the pitch at a time, it is just an opportunity to play college baseball, you know, um, and so I think just having the right mindset and, and like we talked about, where else would you rather be than together here, you know, in Stillwater, Oklahoma, playing a game? Um, who cares what just happened? The only thing that happens, the only thing that matters is what happens next, right? And so I, th- I just, I think that's how our team goes about it. I think that's why we have some fight in us because no matter what, just happened. It's in the past, right? You can't do anything about it. The only thing that you can can't even control the future. The only thing you can control is what's happening in in the present moment. So, if you can get to that place mentally, that's going to give you the best chance to be successful. And, and I think our guys are doing a good job trying to stay with that concept. America, I'll come to you on this one. When you see the offensive potential of this team, how does that inform your game defensively? We talked about it last week, but they say good defense inspires good offense, and, and vice versa. Do you think that plays a role here? Uh, of course. I mean, seeing like the guys on the bench and the guys hit in our lineup is it's totally inspiring. You see JT, you see Bach, you see Kadeem, who's honestly, Kadeem's a sophomore, right? Like he's not even that old yet. And he just completely destroys baseballs. Um, you see Dennis completely destroy baseballs, working at bats. And you see them putting their heart and their soul into each at bat. And me on the mound, I put my heart and soul into the into pitching. So you see them and it inspires you to continue to do what you're doing. You see, let's see, Ornalis or Blau or Biller just absolutely just destroy baseballs, get on base. Doesn't matter what they're doing. They're putting everything they have into it and it completely inspires the rest of the team and and me personally just to continue to do what we're doing. 
Well, coach, it's got to be encouraging to hear. I mean, you could we could go on and on about the the amount of talent on on the the hitting front on this team, but you know, coming back to the pitchers, it's a deep pitching staff deeper than I think it has been in recent memory. We talked about this in the first episode ahead of the season, but you've got more good arms in the bullpen ready to go at any one time than I think I've seen at this team as long as I've been around here. What does that do for you in terms of both game strategy and confidence defensively going into each game? Yeah, you, you know, we do have a lot of depth, and uh, it starts with fastball command, and we have a lot of guys that can can attack with the fastball. Um but I, yeah, I think it just gives us some options and it lets our team know that you never have to try and do too much. You know, if, if you're a defender, you don't have to make the spectacular play. Just do your job and, and make the, the routine play. Offensively, you don't have to do too much. If you can just keep chipping away and trying to win innings um, instead of trying to win the game, like which at times can seem challenging when you start the game and you're so worried about the results. It, it's funny, baseball is a, a process-oriented game that's, you know, viewed upon with the results. So there's a challenge mentally within that. Uh, but I think just having so many guys that are capable of being successful on the mound, I, I, I think you never know who's going to be the hero on a given day. Um, last week it was Zach Kirby. I mean, we have two pitcher of the weeks uh, back to back and and I don't, I shouldn't say I don't know. I know we didn't have one last year. And so um, I think that says a lot about who's going to be the hero this week, who's going to be the guy that steps up. Um, Owen Hackman, we got Owen back this weekend, and and Owen didn't have a very good start on Sunday, and he'd be the first to tell you, but he, you know, he he's coming back from injury. He's going to be healthy here pretty soon, and and I mean Diego Barrera, who we haven't talked about, he was phenomenal on on f- the first game on Saturday. I mean, really, really good. I mean, one of one of the better outings I've ever seen. You know, he the one guy he, he threw a fastball and it got elevated, and he hit a home run. We lose one nothing on a no hitter. Uh, but man, he was really, really good. That that performance kind of gets overlooked, but he's continued to get better, which is scary for teams in, in the WCC just because he was first team all conference last year and he continues to improve. So we just have so many guys on the mound that, that can be a part of it. Uh, Seamus Barrett has done a great job. Um, and so there, there's just to name another guy, but there's several guys that are being successful. And Merrick, I, I want to hear about this depth from your perspective as well. As a member of the pitching staff, when there's so many strong guys on the staff, does that drive a sense of kind of friendly competition amongst the pitchers or does it push everyone to succeed collectively or maybe even a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. I mean, everyone just wants to be good in what they're doing. Um, but I think the big role of our pitching staff is that everyone's embraced their role. It doesn't really matter what they're doing, they enjoy doing it. Um, there are a bunch of, like Barrett, Seamus, absolutely unreal at the beginning of the season. Kirby, absolutely unreal. Diego, Hackman. I mean, once Hackman's back, like it's completely over. Like we're going to have pitcher of the week every single week. It's it's incredible to just watch. I mean, you're just pulling for every single guy because you know that they care the same amount as you do. You know that everyone on the team wants to win and wants to see you succeed. And you can feel it. I mean, everyone, we're so close. And it's it's like a bunch of best friends just playing the game with one collective goal. Yeah, that, that's one thing that has definitely been been undeniable, you know, getting the chance to to speak with you, Coach, and some of the members of the pitching staff is just how close these guys are. And you got to assume, I can at least assume, that that makes a huge difference on the field as well. You know, if these guys want to see each other succeed, they want to push each other to be better, it's kind of an ideal situation. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, you know, that's the best part about playing a team sport 
right? And and no offense to some of the individual sports out there. Those are great too. But I don't think there's anything like being a part of a team sport and celebrating the success of other people and watching them on their journey and watching them develop and, and, and getting excited for them. And it becomes contagious. Um, and, you know, like I said, College athletics, the, the best part is to watch 18 to 20, 22-year-old kids grow up in front of your eyes. And that was one of the things that was pretty special this weekend is in a relatively hostile environment um, to watch those guys continue to just to stay together and um, continue to fight and, and stick together. And that, that's what it's all about ultimately. Well, you'll have a chance to, to do it some more in another busy week. Let's take a look at what's coming up on the schedule here. At the time of recording, UCLA is up next for a single midweek game on the road. Then you'll take on UC Riverside in the three-game series with Friday's game being played at Page Stadium and Saturday and Sunday on the road in Riverside. Coach UCLA, a, a tough Pac-12 opponent, and the last time you played them last season, it was very close. The game went to 11 innings, and UCR is no slouch either. It's a really packed front half of the schedule overall this season. Yeah, we coughed it up in the ninth and in the 10th last year against UCLA. Uh, don't remind me. Caros hit a home run off the foul pole. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, no, it, you know, obviously... Coach Savage runs a great program. We have a ton of respect for them. Um, you know, our guys have have not had a lot of success against them, and but we're a different team now than we've been the last three years. So we have a bunch of Southern California kids that I think have this game circled um, on the calendar. Hopefully the, the rain stays away. But yeah, they're a great opponent. Opponent, And then we're playing uh, UC Riverside this weekend, um, another Big West school. And so um, that'll be a great challenge for us as well. But yeah, excited for another week of baseball in hopefully a little bit warmer weather than we just experienced. And Merrick, how about you? What are you looking forward to most about playing UCLA and playing UC Riverside? Probably winning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you say it's going to be fun. I mean, we've played them a couple times already in the time that I've been here, and I don't think we've won one yet. Uh, last The last time we played them, it was a little disheartening, but we're a completely different team now. We have a bunch of new guys, and we have a bunch of guys that have evolved to their, their next step. And it's it's going to be fun to watch because I, I think we're going to do something really special, and it's, it's going to be really exciting to play in. Well, Coach, we, we talked about the stacked front half of the schedule. I mean, the whole schedule is tough. We, we know the level of play in the WCC, but the non-conference schedule is really impressive, too. How do you utilize the big matchups like playing number 15 Oklahoma and in a few weeks playing Vanderbilt in your overall recruiting message? Obviously, we don't get all of the blue chip talent at, at a high school, right? And so we get players that maybe were overlooked a little bit and, and have a chip on their shoulder and are going to have to develop. And so one of the reasons that we go and play in environments like that is to give our guys an opportunity to experience just that environment, to challenge themselves. And Merrick said it earlier, it's not necessarily about the opponent who we're playing. Um, it's more about ourselves and playing in an environment where we're uncomfortable and, and maybe a, a, an environment where there's a bigger crowd, a bigger stadium, more amenities that maybe we're used to. Um, but it really isn't about the opponent. You know, the better the opponent, the less mistakes they make, right? That That's really what it is. Like the really good teams, they just don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, and teams that aren't as good, they make more mistakes. And so you have more of an opportunity to capitalize on those. And so 
Um, that's why we schedule the way we do, but really it's about us. It's, we know, and our program understands that if we go and play our style of baseball, right. And and we throw quality strikes and we jump ahead and counts and defensively, we play good, solid defense and catch and put together tough at bats and run the bases intelligently. We can beat anybody in the country. We know that our guys understand that. So it really isn't about who we're playing. It's, but some of those environments are, are great environments for our guys to challenge themselves to try to stay in the moment. America, before we wrap up here, you know, just talking about that challenge, do you look forward to that as an athlete? I mean, you know, every, I know everybody wants to win a game, but there's got to be that that allure of the of the challenge of taking down a really tough opponent. Of course. I mean, competition is competition and it's just fun either way. It doesn't really matter who I'm playing. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to beat you with everything I have. Um, it's he said it earlier, like we said it. It's it's not about playing the like who they are, the UCLA or the Oklahoma, like the big name schools or nationally ranked schools. It's about playing the game and playing who we are as a team. And if we continue to do that, we will continue to succeed. Well, gentlemen, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you both so much for your time, Coach Choate. It's always a pleasure to speak with you each week. Thanks, Jonathan. Great being with you. You as well. And Merrick, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that's it for us this week on the show. You can listen to all the episodes of the podcast throughout the season on lmulions.com slash podcasts to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the LMU baseball program. LMU will take on UCLA and UC Riverside this coming week as they continue in the tough early stages of their busy 2023 season. The Lions have so far proven that they both have a wealth of capable pitchers and plenty of guys who can unload at the plate. And they'll look to have both of these things on full display against the Bruins and the Highlanders this week. We'll see you right back here next week to recap it all with you on the show. But for now, you're all caught up on everything that's happening this week in Lions baseball.